for different aspects, there are different teachers that I had through the time. And, uh, for example, some date ba all the way back to my high school. Others are very recent ones. Like, for example, one of the teachers we had the most, Isaac. I think he's the, the person uh, that always reminds me of discipline. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of Do I Need School to Be? the podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with creatives and ask them about their journey into the creative field, focusing on their education, the teachers who shaped them, the books who shaped them, the movies, in general, what their journey was like. If you're somebody who is thinking about entering the creative field, I hope this show will be a resource to you and show you that we all have different paths and they are all valid. So let's go. And we've made it to the last episode of 2021. It's also episode 21 the last episode I recorded live at Willem de Koenig Academy, where I got to do an audio residency. If you want to learn more about that, go to the episode of Naomi Janssen, because she's the person who organized the audio residency, which was a great program. I had a lot of fun. So in this episode, I'm actually met up with Chris live at school to talk about his journey into design. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about um, the different teachers that you can have, his journey working as a salesman in Italy, not knowing how to speak Italian, but still working in sales, which I think is really interesting. And then how he looks at design and his perspective on the entire educational system. It's a, it's a really fun conversation, a very interesting one. We were having fun, drinking beers. It was really, really cool episode. Chris is kind of a teacher for me because he taught me how to make risotto and I've learned so many cool things from him. So this is a very special episode and I'm happy that I'm closing 2021 with this episode in particular. Also special shout out to my younger sister Amalia who helped me record this episode. She wants to study audiovisual design as this was her first experience recording and using the Zoom H6 and I really hope she enjoyed it. And I'm having a lot of fun just bringing her into this entire world of podcasts at the tender age of 17. Well, I'll stop talking now and I appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening to me talk through this last 21 episodes. And I hope that we have many more episodes together. But for now, let's go to my conversation with Chris Diankov. Chris, how are you today? Mm. Wonderful. Had a good day in the open uh, air bike to the sea pretty charged up from all the experience a little bit tired on my muscles but yeah of all course good. of course i see it okay so here we are and i would love if you could tell the audience who you are and what you're currently working on yeah sure uh, my name is chris i'm a bulgarian designer i am uh, somewhere in between the world of product and spatial design I'm uh, hugely interested into uh, working with uh, various materials. I get bored uh, easily, so that's why I think the product design is an interesting field to stay in. I use uh, computers a lot to, to help me visualize my ideas faster, the prototype, you know, generally as a communication medium too. I, uh, like all sorts of uh, machinery, like uh, 3D printers, uh, cutters, etc. But I also like the traditional working methods. Uh, what I'm working on? Well, uh, it's good that you ask. I just got a new job. Yay! <laughs> um, Cheers to that! Yeah. We're drinking beers right now because of the kind of people we are. It's the summer. We're fine. Yeah. Congrats on your new job. Thanks. Really excited because. Um, 
Wow, it sort of covers all of the things I mentioned into one job and it's going to be very flexible for me. So it's going to allow me to graduate and prioritize on graduation while being employed and doing something really interesting. Sounds so the company, like a dream. Sounds like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> the company uh, does robotic arm 3D printing in concrete and they're based in Eindhoven. Okay, that's very niche, but congratulations on getting that awesome job. I know you had a project Thanks. that was similar, printing base, like 3D printing bases with ceramics, I mm -hmm. think it was. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was hugely thanks to that project that I did in my plus weeks in January that I was able to land this job. Let's say um, I was aware that there are certain steps in my, uh, let's say there's certain missing links that I just needed to connect in my uh, skill set in order to be able to do certain uh, things like that. And uh, I took the time in the plus weeks to, to do that. I ordered a book, which was a guidebook for the software and uh, the printers and um, just presented this alongside my other projects. And somehow the language of it all spoke to the owner of the company and he decided, oh, yeah, that would be a good match. He invited me for an interview. Yay! Yeah. And so you have said plus weeks twice already, so now I have to ask you because yeah. the audience doesn't know what the plus weeks are. Mm -hmm. Essentially, Chris and I met at the Wittem de Koenig Academy, which is a university for design and yeah, applied arts. Applied arts. Applied arts and design. Let's call it that. And the plus weeks is basically four weeks a year or more. It's always four weeks? I think, uh, depending on which year you are, but I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's four year, uh, four weeks <laughs> a year. Yay, four years of plus weeks. Yeah. And basically you get to explore anything you're curious about. So if you're curious about, if you're a graphic designer and you're curious about metal work, you can just go and work in metal. Yeah, it's, it's really as long fun. as you're able to formulate a certain plan for these weeks and present it to your uh, teachers and they uh, are okay with uh, how you figure your plan or maybe they give you some suggestions. It's also nice because you can set yourself goals and meet with them in the meantime, which I rarely do, but <laughs> for other people really does work. For other people, it's like... Well, I know for some, they really <laughs> are much more dependent on having these regular meetings, whether I have one in the middle. It's sort of, okay, this is a life update where I am right now with my process. You are familiar with my plan. This is what I've done so far. Let's reflect on that. And we still have that much time left. Give me an advice. What do you think? That's more or less how I feel my connection with the teachers is in this particular period. Yeah, because we all learn different. Like some people exactly. need more guidance. Exactly. Other people need to just meet with them like once and be like, here I am. Do you have any feedback? I think that's a, a lot of the beauty of formal education yeah. that you have access to those things. And yeah. here you have access to those two tools like a 3D printer and it's available to you. Yeah. And yeah, I think one of the nicest thing is that they do not impose on you that yeah, you're a graphic designer, you should stick to Illustrator or whatever medium you're using. No, they're like, uh, encouraging you, especially in these weeks, to experiment with things that are in your interest rather than staying just in your own bubble. And I've seen some of my classmates go into completely 
different and unexpected for me directions, which I think are very beneficial for them discovering who they want to be as a designer and what's going to be interesting for them to work in the future. And in some cases, it helps you land a job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look at yourself. <laughs> and how do you get here? Because I know that yeah. this is your second for time doing formal education. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what led you to do the first one? Why did you do the second one? And essentially, how did you get here? Yeah. Well, it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it tight. Just give um, us the highlights, give us the, low, the high moments, the low moments. Well, it, it, it's true that uh, this is not my first time, but it's not the second, it's actually the third. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you for showing the audience how unprepared I am to this. Well, I am not unprepared, I have just... Yeah. Well, as I said, it's a long story, so I try to skip certain details that are not as important or interesting. Okay. But long story short, I come from Bulgaria, from Applied Arts uh, High School, which was very hands-on. We had many different uh, courses similar to here, but just at younger age. Uh, naturally, uh, I got advised to follow interior design study because that was the closest one to what I was doing. And... Uh, I remember having this conversation at, I don't know, 17, I think, with my mom. She was asking me, hey, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to study in the university? Do you want to do it here or abroad? And I said, well, mom, I'm going to check a few universities, like, meaning I opened the websites and scrolled <laughs> twice, literally. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because that was research for me back then. And um, I think sometime later, one of my very good friends uh, mentioned that he has some aunt living in London. So we were like, hey, that, that sounds like a plan. Do you want to go study abroad there? Yeah, sure. Well, then let's go together. We're going to be friends abroad. Why not? So, you know, long story short. When is the movie coming out? Friends abroad. Yeah. Coming to <laughs> cinemas near you. Well, it's a good movie title. The story right? gets even more more interesting and the, the, the funny thing is that it also revolves around this academy <gasps> because we were a bunch of friends, let's say six or seven of us. And um, with one, I went to study in England thinking that we're going to get into a very small town near London and we're going to be able to travel back and forth all the time, which totally didn't work and the city <laughs> totally sucked. And yeah, we felt so much out of place there because imagine you never lived abroad and you're thinking, okay, you know, living in a foreign country is going to be the shit. It's going to rock so hard. They're not going to believe what they saw, you know, they're going to be uh, number one. And uh, uh, to be young and believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then landing into a little town that is predominantly uh, inhabited by people that just spend the night there sleep go to work in the big city and then during the day there's no one and the people that were cool from the university most of them li lived in london as well so there was literally no one to hang out with so that year was a sort of yeah let's call it that exactly uh n yeah next year i actually moved to italy to milan Yay! Very I like the fact that Chris lived in Italy because that means he cooks very well and he has made me food and it's very delicious. <laughs> True. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's very good. It's very simple, but it's very good. 
yeah, living in Italy really was uh, yeah more or less getting back on track, you know, rocking as a youngster abroad, enjoying good food, beautiful views. As a youngster, my God. Well, yeah, I, I, I was 18 and a half, 19 years old then. Yeah, you were a youngster. I, I was young. It was yeah. 10 years ago now. Wow. Yeah. The last months of being 29. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Where has time gone by? But okay, let's go back to your story. So you're in Italy, rocking it now. In which city did you live? I lived in Milan, which was Beautiful. a very, very fashionable city. So I did uh, want to study architecture there. Uh, what did you do in your in England? What did you want to study there? Well, I did interior one year design. of interior design and actually doing some of the assignments there, I realized, oh, wow, there is this thing called architecture. And I'm actually not that bad at, you know, all the scale models, I understand the theory. I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff, like they were teaching us about Bauhaus origins of, uh, you know, art history in general, but more like the modern ones that are the important uh, the important things in uh, recent history that led to the develop developments we are living into now, like how cities were formed, what architectural styles we live in now and whatever. So um, that yeah, kind of triggered an interest in architecture for me. So I knew another very good friend from our company that was in Milan studying that. So I went there to do that in the Technical University of Milan, which was very prestigious, very, you know, old school type of building with a huge campus, really you know, classy. You want to take a picture in front of it when you see it. You're like, mom, dad, come That's see how you, you felt today. My sister is here, by the way. <laughs> and then, so you're in Milan, you study there, and then you get to here? Well, I did uh, a few months of my study and uh, sort of things uh, became a little bit more serious for me because I needed to start working, which for me was a new thing. I had already done a few commissions on my works before I left for England in Bulgaria, which was very nicely paid, big deadlines, doing my favorite work. But I never worked for someone for money month after month to be earning my living, you know, and that was really a tough period for me because above everything I needed to do that in a country where predominantly population speaks Italian. Uh, so now you're having to balance actually working and having the responsibility of short deadlines and making money yeah. and supporting yourself. Yeah and um, that of course for starters it didn't work out very well I gotta be honest. I sucked at the balance or maybe it wasn't so much me because I was trying quite hard for some time but also the essence of the job was to travel abroad not abroad but around the city like small cities and villages and speak to a lot of people in a language that I didn't speak yeah you told me about that that, was, yeah. that must have been hilarious that was to watch not, not to only, live through not only hilarious it was also embarrassing and difficult <laughs> But the sensation when you start actually making sense in a new language, you feel like, oh shit, I just lied to these people that I speak their language. <laughs> you know? Look at me, bold face lying to them. 
<laughs> there is this type of sensation, or at least for me that was how it felt. That, wow, okay, so apparently we can learn this thing called Italian language and uh, be able to earn a little bit more because essentially I was getting next to nothing for going to work because it was the type of job that you would only get paid for your contracts that you managed to sign with people. So it was like a direct sales job, which, you know, in uh, certain countries, they still go to uh, obligatory military service. We don't have that anymore in Bulgaria, but yeah, I think for me, that was my small version of it. You learn a lot. It's a, it's a time in which you just learn. Yeah, and you learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to prioritize. You do mistakes, then you learn from them. So, yeah, to, to bring you back to where we are now, um, after living there for about three years, I had already stopped studying and uh, only worked. And the job wasn't the most satisfying one, to be honest. It was interesting because I traveled most of uh, northern Italy, like even the smallest pieces of land, and I've seen very beautiful places. But, you know, somehow I always knew that before coming there, there was an entire other career path for me, which was called design. And I still had the little side uh, jobs here and there. So whenever that was a thing, I was feeling so energized and full of hope that I will still one day return to working with design. And then it happened. And then it happened. Look at us. Look at where we are now. That's so great. I, I love this story because it's jumping from one thing to the next. I think there is this huge misconception that there's only one route to do things and you have to do it in a specific order. But then... That's the whole point of this podcast, to show that there are different ways to get to the right place. Yeah, and the right place, sometimes you think it's one, and after going there, you kind of adjust the course of your boat, and you realize, actually, I might want to go to the next village instead, and yeah. actually, it's better there. <laughs> exactly. You never know. So you never yeah. know what door is going to open yeah. next. And I think a good uh, lesson for myself and maybe for some other people that are a little bit stuck with overthinking and overanalyzing, just go. <laughs> go somewhere and then you would figure it out. I wouldn't say it's a good idea to go into stupid stuff like uh, overeating or uh, becoming a drug addict or something like that but yeah it's like meth not even once yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically Chris's advice meth not even once yeah try everything else except meth Hey friend, it's Alex just interrupting this conversation to remind you that in order to have the optimal experience and enjoy all the links in the show notes, you can subscribe to the show on any platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And yeah, it supports the show. It will improve the algorithm for you. So it would show you more shows like this one that you will potentially like. And if you wish to support the show, you can follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes as well as a link to buy me a coffee, which yeah, we'll help pay for the hosting and I also love coffee. Thank you again for joining us in this episode and for letting me be in your ears. And now let's go back to my conversation with Chris Diankov. So in this super long journey of 
being a salesman for a while, being a designer, and now your new job in Eindhoven, did you have any teachers that like marked you for good or bad reasons? Like, whose voice do you hear in the back of your head when you're doing something? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think depending on the situation, there are different ones. Uh, like asking me right now, I probably cannot think of an exact one. But let's say for certain for different aspects, there are different teachers that I had through the time. And, uh, for example, some date all the way back to my high school. Others are very recent ones. Like, for example, one of the teachers we had the most, Isaac. I think he's the, the person uh, that always reminds me of discipline. Oh. Yeah, I think he's a very hardworking guy and always take his work serious. He wants everybody to be serious in his class while being actually young and actually yeah, working for himself, producing work as a designer and being quite a responsible teacher here. Um, yeah, I guess for other situations, there are other teachers that kind of pop in and out depending on the task I'm doing. Of course, because everybody's a teacher, like a classmate could also be a teacher that they yeah. give you an advice at some point and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put my hand in the, I don't know, the grinder yeah, because yeah. somebody told me not to do that. And uh, yeah, same for me. I've learned a lot about cooking actually from my best friend who I was sharing a house with uh, and then others and layers and layers added and let's say certain recipes, there are certain teachers, there are certain processes in design. As I told you, product design is all about working with different materials. Everybody's really free to choose their own medium. Some prefer to work with metal, others with ceramics. And in every one of these things, you have a the workshop masters, or however you want to call them, who are always there to take an eye on your project, maybe give you a piece of advice. And then you have, um, yeah, Somebody who has tried a different thing and can tell you this yeah. works better. And I think, like uh, yeah, on, on the question of uh, do you really need teachers, which I think is your main topic for the podcast. Yeah, because yeah. I think everybody could be a teacher, but the point of being in a school is that you surround yourself with many, many, many possible teachers. Yes. Because I think in this academy, the approach is quite different from any of the other two schools that I've been into. And uh, they let you figure out a lot of things yourself. You wouldn't get tutorials like, so kids, this is how we draw a rectangle in AutoCAD. Nobody fucking has the patience to do that. <laughs> Sorry for the language. I don't know. If you can curse. I think so. I don't think there's a problem with cursing. I hope not because I've cursed a lot in all the other episodes. Yeah, I hope not. I really hope I don't have to edit those things out because that would take me forever. <laughs> <laughs> it would really take me forever. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, we're back. And um, let's say. Uh, yeah, I forgot my thoughts. Okay, happens. So expanding on that, do you see yourself as a teacher? If anybody can be a teacher, do you see yourself as a teacher now or one day taking that position as a teacher? <laughs> well, probably for some of the people I work with, 
indirect or live with. Uh, th there is some sort of knowledge sharing, so for sure. If I would like to be a teacher, it depends. Um, if would it's you take a, a mentee? Would you take a mentorship? Like, would you take somebody to mentor? Well, I don't know if I would. Uh, again, it depends on the situation. In my current profile, maybe not, because I believe one should teach. Yeah, of course, you, you got to be successful to a certain degree. I'm not saying I'm not feeling successful myself, uh, but I believe one should be yeah, able to uh, successfully manage his own practice, for example, or be an employee somewhere for a certain time to be able to teach somebody something. But on the other hand, let's say there are specific areas in which I know more than other people. So then also in a less formal way, I could be teaching somebody something. I think that shows ethics. I think something that we saw a lot in 2020 was everybody coming out with their own course. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people just decided, I'm going to teach you how to do this, and Yeah, then but it's you... also a growing industry. Exactly, but then you go on apps like Clubhouse, for example, and mm -hmm. I personally love Clubhouse, and people are, I'm going to teach you how to build your social media profile. I don't have any followers, and I haven't done it myself, but I have all the theory, so I can teach you. So that just shows ethics, that you want to be able... Be yeah, sure and I think provide. that type of ethics really dates back from, I don't know, ancient Greek uh, philosophy. Yeah, kill me about quoting who said what exactly, but it's the, the principle of the ones that make and they are able to, they are the ones that should teach and not the ones that just want to be teachers per se. Yeah, and we, there is also this saying, the one that can't do teaches if you cannot do to teach mm -hmm. and I honestly think that's not true if you want to be a truly a good teacher you should be knowledgeable in what you're doing yeah at, at least be at a higher level or have more perspective than somebody that you're actually teaching yeah and I think that's what is very different from all the Dutch art academies design academies uh, that is different from other places um, I think it was more than 10 years, maybe 15, 20 years ago, uh, the head of Design Academy in Eindhoven, I think that was, uh, that was Jelle Hungarius. Oh yeah, they decided what was going to be taught, right? Well, she actually made a reform in the education, so she sort of proposed or fired, I don't know what exactly was the right order that it happened, but that all the teachers should be uh, practicing professionals. And if you take a look at all the people that are you know, teaching you theory and practice, whatever, they're all part-time teachers and part-time whatever profession they're doing. And of course, I think you can do that only to a certain extent. So that also speaks a little bit about who is really, really, advanced in their career and who is not. I think in what we see here, half of the teachers are, let's say, graduates from five to 10 years ago or more. I might be wrong, but uh, it feels like uh, I'm not that far away from uh, the mentality of the people that teach me, 
but the fact that they're all coming from very different places then and then they can show me very very different perspectives on many topics it's what makes uh, that education system very interesting and makes me think that it's preparing me for the real world because they are people who you know share fresh information with me from within the field out there out now and uh, not some theory that uh, they're obliged to read to me from a book wow so much truth in one sentence yeah <laughs> so and when, where do you see like talking about this reform and how education has changed yeah where do you see education going in the future because now we have a lot of digital mediums meaning that your mm -hmm. teacher doesn't have to be in front of you it can be in south africa or mm -hmm. it can be in Latin America or in Asia or in the US doesn't matter so you can learn from anyone yeah. from any place so how do you see that change in creative education well I think if we analyze what's going on right now we would be able to sort of predict what's next of course I'm only able to do that uh, but I think as you can see already design and art is becoming much more uh, cross-disciplinary uh, we start learning from scientists maybe stuff that are very basic for them but we as designers start thinking of okay I'm a designer but I could come up with a new material for my specific project and then I'm gonna turn into science to see what type of uh, natural bonding engines that there are and create my own uh, bioplastic or, or something like that you know when I was doing my elective with clay 3d printing there were two other girls doing something similar. One of them created her material out of crushed eggshells that she bonded with something that comes from the kitchen world, hmm. which is again used in the gourmet kitchens to make, let's say, fake caviar, caviar and whatever. Jesus. Yeah. So I think this is one thing, crossing disciplines and really, as you said, raising the borders between what is just Dutch design because as you know there are certain movements in Europe that have historically put certain countries in, on, on the map of design let's say made in Italy is one of them but you also have Dutch design which is more recent and uh, I think <coughs> Bauhaus which goes from Germany then you have exactly design. the modernists yeah yeah and I think because of uh, internet and the access and free access to so many of these resources, you can learn <coughs> pretty much anything. And I think people would start <coughs> selectively picking what's really relevant for them in the location they are. Because I think a huge portion of the designers is going to go into, and I'm speaking predominantly about <clears throat> designers that work and create physical objects they're gonna go into uh, sustainable solutions and maybe you know if you're living somewhere in the Philippines you might be working with washed off plastics or with some uh, alternative material to replace them altogether um, and I think these two are also quite globally but let's say that was a good example and um, we'll say that it was a good example <laughs> yeah. No, I like it and I think you're you're very you're correct. I think it would be more 
of taking what it's necessary, like you said, and be like what interests you in the sense that if you are somebody who's very like as a as a visual designer, because that's what I am, I can only speak about that. If you're very interested in the golden ratio and how you can apply it to typography, you can contact a mathematician and ask him like, hey, what is um, different algorithms or different sequences that I can use to make my work more interesting so you can dive into that. So if you could collaborate with somebody from a completely different discipline right now, what would it be or who would it be? Hmm. Yeah, I think I would... Uh... Tough question. Go wild! Yeah, I never actually thought about it really? before. Yeah, if it's to collaborate with someone, I think for for me, normally the collaborations are with somebody that is manufacturing something. So most of uh, the collaborations happen with a manufacturer and then the material changes. At least that's also what I experienced during my internship. Also, the dude that I was working for was in the same way, you know, very much interested into getting a certain client because he knows that uh, he's going to gain access to their uh, manufacturing facilities and understand how they can make certain things. So I think for product designers, it's always the most interesting to learn how you can make something, analyze it, tweak it in your own way, make an intervention, call it yours. Just an example. There was a student, I think, from our academy from a few years ago. and. I don't remember if it was he or she, or they or them. We don't know. Pronouns don't matter. But they they explored the technique of uh, of blow molding, which consists Ooh. of you know imagine how plastic bottles are made. You start with a single piece of plastic that has like a certain type of connector on the top, and then within the right temperature medium and the molds and some warm blow air. Molded. Yeah it blows into a certain shape which then cools down and then you have the final product so that project was something similar but they thought okay i don't have access to all these complex facilities what can i do they took a 3d printer they modeled or downloaded already a 3d model of a connector which is compatible with the, the air guns and they boiled the 3d print because Boiling also softens the plastic mm -hmm. and 3D printers obviously print in plastic. So they were able to make their own twist of this process in their own way with whatever instruments they had available. There it is. Like the beauty of doing it, like looking how things are done somewhere else and then just figure out how you do it yourself. That's yeah. great. And I think one of the most interesting programs for me and also something that really helped me learn Italian was watching how it's made on Discovery. That was the most interesting thing. That was a good show. Yeah, it, they used it to feels have like such great shows. Now they only have Shark Week. <laughs> what else do you do? Not Shark Week. Again. I don't know. Do you think people still watch TV that much? I think that's hugely the reason. That's a solid fact. Because everything is really on demand. Oh yeah, I'm interested in this specific episode or show and I'm gonna watch it all at once. But you're not like, I'm gonna turn on the TV and watch whatever is out there. So I think watch that changed. out there? What? Who does that? Just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Who does that now? <laughs> Nobody. So we have made it to the end of the interview of the episode. I'll change it in post again. Um, is there anything you want to promote, Chris? 
And if you don't have anything to promote, that's fine. You can give us a movie, a book, a song, whatever you have that you think will be inspiring. Like some people recommended yeah. movies from Studio Gimli, some people recommended books. I think one of the most interesting uh, books that I read, actually listened to, um, lately in the past couple of years was called Win Without Pitching Manifesto for which I found out uh, through another podcast series called The Future of course which they really focus on helping creative people like us think about the business side of what we're doing and really defend our interests this book is gold I think you can find so many things and play it over and over to listen to them once more because it's more of a go-to manual rather than just something you read once so many useful things and i think that's something we are also missing in our education here everybody is afraid to speak about the business of design and i think that's the the most uh, definite way to fail at it that you never practice it yeah I understand conceptual thinking art history whatever else technical skills are all as equally as important but if you can't do an invoice dude how are you gonna run a studio after you graduate that's a solid fact a strong thought and a great way to finish the podcast <laughs> yeah, well thank so. you so much Chris oh thank you for having me it was a pleasure yay and that was my conversation with Chris. I love talking to him. We always talk about the most random things. So we get into these thought loops. And I hope you got to pick up a little bit of that during this conversation. It's a true pleasure to have him in my life and have him be a teacher to me. And to be a part of his journey into design as well. Uh, if you want to check him out, you'll find links to his website in the show notes. As well to the book he recommended. Uh, the Pitch Manifesto, which I also recommend. It's a very good book, very easy to read and a good friendly designer. So I hope you'll pick it up. And as we come to the end of the show, I want to thank you for joining me on another episode and giving me your time. I hope you're enjoying these conversations and please subscribe to the show and give us a review or give us any feedback. You can reach out to us on social media as well. All the links are in the show notes to let us know if you have questions you would like to ask creatives what would you would like to learn if you have somebody to recommend please let us know i am here to make something great for you and we'll be taking a little bit of a holiday break at the end of 2021 just to like relax regroup and start editing podcast episodes for you again so we'll be back mid-january with a new episode and i already have five recorded and i have to say i they're great i'm very excited to share them with you that said, again, thank you and hope to be again in your ears very soon. Keep learning and stay curious. Bye.